OTP GAA. One of the fathers was mentioning the cows at half six or seven on the, on the, on the Monday morning. They started crying that we we'll just have to win in the county final yesterday. Subscribe to the OTP GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Football on Off The Ball with Sky, proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland women's national football team. This is News Talk. All right, you're welcome back to Thursday's football show. Delighted to be joined by the hardest working man in showbiz. Andy Mitten is with us. Good evening, Andy. Happy Christmas. Thank you. Good to be joining you. Uh, You're uh, just preparing for the return to the madness, I suspect. Yeah, I didn't go to the World Cup. It's the first uh, tournament I've missed for over a decade. And I thought I might be able to ease off a little bit. And then uh, a low-profile individual called Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> gave an interview and then followed it up with, um, well, his contract was uh, terminated. And then Manchester United went up for sale. And then Manchester United went on a, a warm weather break, which was actually a wet weather break in Andalusia. And Eric Tenag was good enough to give us a really good interview so that kept us very very busy and obviously watching the world cup finals like everybody else was it a conscious decision not to go to the world cup yeah i, I was asked to go and I, I i said no um that was for various reasons i i felt i traveled too much before the the world cup finals um i didn't agree with it being in qatar i'd been to qatar i went out there in 2015 to interview javi hernandez and I felt my time would be better spent uh, with my family. Um, and I also knew that Manchester United would be going out to Spain. So a, a combination of reasons, really. But yeah, I had the chance to go and, and I declined it. I would fully expect to go to the next Euros and the next World Cup. A month is a very long time in the world of Manchester United. Uh, watching the game last night against Burnley, I'm looking at Alejandro Garnacho and thinking, oh, yeah, that- minute in their last game against Fulham where we thought this new superstar was born and I haven't even thought about him and that's only a month ago uh, so much has gone on in the world of football and you touched on some of it there uh, let's talk about Cristiano Ronaldo then and how it was handled from the outside it seemed very straightforward for Manchester United uh, with the news I think within an hour of that Fulham game that this interview had taken place with Piers Morgan and the fallout started instantly can you give us any insight into how those initial hours played out? Was there ever any doubt that Manchester United had seen the last of Cristiano Ronaldo? Well, he wanted to go and the club knew that he wanted to go. After the Fulham game, the news broke. I didn't know anything before that. People at Manchester United didn't. Any idea of having a few days with it being uh, quiet went when I heard that news and the next morning we just when you do what I do, it was just absolutely crazy because he's he's such box office and it's part of my job. And you no, know, I, I spoke honestly. Um I've got decent contacts. I work to get decent insight and and uh everything I've been told was had been pretty consistent over the previous months that he, he wanted to go. And Manchester United were not going to stand in his way. Equally, they were not going to pay up his contracts. And I didn't blame the club for that. I felt that Eric Ten Hag was firm but fair with him. And we saw a few incidents, leaving Old Trafford twice um, while the match was on. And I know that there are people in Old Trafford who actually felt sympathy for Cristiano Ronaldo, basically because he can no longer do what he wants to do. 
And he's not the first footballer to struggle with the reality of his decline. There have been many others. And right from that first morning, I, I tried to make a point that it's usually an unedifying un, un end to your career as a top footballer. I've seen it happen so many times. Great, great players like Roy Keane didn't leave Old Trafford by the front door. They went out the back door. Ruud van Nistelrooy. Um, so many lesser names than those who normally take a few years to come round to thinking, actually, I may not have behaved in the best way. I remember going to see Van Nistelrooy in Madrid two years after he left Old Trafford. And for the first time publicly, he basically said, yeah, I got it wrong. We've not seen any evidence of Cristiano Ronaldo doing that. And someone said to me, his greatest strength is now his greatest weakness, his self-belief. Uh, so you went from Ronaldo bombshell to the Glazers bombshell. The news that they are planning to sell Manchester United came uh, towards the end of November. It would bring an end to their 17-year ownership of the club. Uh, how long had this been in the pipeline? How much of a bombshell was it? Yeah, the, the news was a surprise. There's been speculation for years. And during that time, I, as a journalist, have built up some pretty good contacts in the financial world. And I'd go to them and say, I'm hearing this, someone has told me that, and I'd struggle to stand up the stories. So when there was that very definitive uh, definitive announcement that investment was being sought or a full sale, um, it was A, welcomed by Manchester United fans who've never liked the Glazers, and, and B, was a bit of a surprise as well. As for a timescale, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. Uh, Rain, who helped with uh, Chelsea's sale, have been appointed. They will be looking for suitors. I was going to say suitable suitors then, but it might just be that the people who are prepared to pay the most get the club from the Glazers. As a Manchester United fan, what concerns me is that the next owners are responsible owners, that they're better owners than the Glazers that there is not a repeat of a highly leveraged uh, buyout and that the same mistakes are not made with poor communication, lack of investment into the stadium, for example. But it's going to be very expensive if whoever takes control of Manchester United. And call me idealistic, but I would like to see the fans have some sort of influence. I believe if shares were offered to Manchester United fans, then the uptake would be significant, certainly a lot more than when the club first went public in 1991. So any wise owner should be trying to embrace the fans and thinking, we all want the same thing here. We we want success. Yes, it's going to be difficult against clubs which have got um, state backing. Far more difficult than it was when the Glazers first started buying up shares in Manchester United, when it was basically Manchester United and Arsenal. I remember speaking to Roy Keane in 2004, in an interview, and he said, I know the fans' rivalries with City or with Liverpool, but for the players, it's all about Arsenal. That's changed a lot now. You can see that there's some seriously wealthy rivals in the Premier League. I spoke to Eric Ten Hag about this a couple of weeks ago, and the names of Newcastle and West Ham United are suddenly being mentioned alongside the more established giants. 
when you see numbers been talked about of six and a half, seven billion as a potential fee that the Glazers could receive, it you know seems obvious as to why they would want to sell now. Are there other factors as to why they feel this is the time to get out of Manchester United, considering it has been such a cash cow for them? Well, if they're going to get anything close to those figures, it would be the most remarkable investment because they didn't pay anything close to one billion. So if they're getting fives and sixes, um, in some ways you've got to say, wow, they've really seen an opportunity there. But they've caused so much disarray. They've split the fan base. The club is laden with debt. The dividend payments they took out um, were, were controversial. And issues like the stadium, you know, Old Trafford was continually redeveloped before they they took charge and that has stalled. And that concerns me as a Manchester United fan. Uh, I think anyone who comes in now has got to invest in the stadium. It's going to be expensive, especially with the cost of raw materials and energy. And they've also got up, got to go up against very, very wealthy rivals. It's not going to be easy for anybody. How do you go up against Saudi Arabia, for example? It's really difficult. It's getting to the level where even if you're the most um, wealthy British person, for example, Jim Ratcliffe, who put an offer in for Chelsea, he's got deep, deep pockets. But compared to sovereign state funds, they don't look so deep. Now, financial fair play should sort this out. It should be a cure for this, but... There are, there are ways around it and clubs have found ways around it and that's what makes it difficult. I think Manchester United is still an extremely attractive name for somebody to buy into, for somebody to own. It is a trophy asset. It's a huge football club. It's the biggest football club um, in, in England. I think it's one of the three biggest football clubs in the world along with Barcelona and Real Madrid. And with that, size is going to come a hefty price tag. And it does mean that there are only certain suitors possible who could afford to pay that much. And as you say, there is a Jim Radcliffe who could be the perfect scenario, said to be a Manchester United fan, deep pockets. Maybe because Rain are involved, it'll be an American investor. But there is the other side that how do you contest and compete with state-backed clubs? You become a state-backed club yourself. Would you be nervous about the possibility of a state-backed investment fund potentially being in the mix for Manchester United? Yeah, I would. And I, I could see another split coming because you'll have loads of Manchester United fans who just want to sign Mbappe. They just want the best players to come. They're not really bothered about the ownership. They don't really care who owns the club as long as new players are brought in and Manchester United are successful. And there's something quite um, sad uh, about that. Equally, there are a lot of Manchester United fans who wouldn't want that, who've spent time being critical of the ownership models behind Manchester City or Chelsea when they had uh, an oligarch in Roman Abramovich or Paris Saint-Germain who've been critical of Newcastle United. Realistically, who can afford to buy Manchester United? You've covered it there. It's the American private equity hedge funds. Um, There's a, a strong American ownership now in the Premier League. Or uh, it looks like um, state-backed funds. Russia is out of the equation because of the geopolitics going on there. China's gone quiet with football. If you go back three or four years, they were offering bigger wages than almost anybody. 
And then you look at the emerging economies. I've seen India mentioned a couple of times, but whoever would take over Manchester United would need billions. And that, that is a huge outlay, even for some of the, the, the richest people in the world. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. When you talk about the fan base there and how vast it is, do you think that they would be a powerful enough voice if Qatar came in and said they wanted to buy Manchester United, that they'd be able to rise up and stop that happening? Some people wouldn't want to stop that happening. That's the issue that you've got. What happened after the Glazers took over is the the match-going fan base was split and that led to the formation of FC United, who've been a success so a few thousand hardcore Manchester United fans, you know, hardcore, people who went home and away, um, walked. They said, we can't stomach this. We're going to have courage in our convictions and we're going to go and support FC United. The vast majority continued to support Manchester United. There was a real-life split there. It was awful in, in the real world, not online, in the real world. And since then, United's fan base has, has grown significantly. So you see the popularity, partly because the Premier League's become more and more popular and the different demographics want different things. I see that in my own journalism. If I write articles over issues which I felt strongly about over the years, including the stadium redevelopment uh, or ticket prices, that is of no concern to a lot of people who call themselves Manchester United fans because they've never been to a game. They'll never go to a game. There's nothing wrong with that. But different people want different things. And I remember when I first wrote about Old Trafford needing to be expanded, needing to be redeveloped, I got a lot of comments like, never mind that, we need to be signing whoever you know the best player in the world was at the moment. So people want very, very different things. I think whoever takes over Manchester United has got to be a responsible custodian. I'd like to see them involve the supporters. I'd like to to see them be significantly better owners than the Glazers, not load debt onto the club and just harness that global support. But I'm sounding idealistic there. Mm. And is an American hedge fund going to share those ideals? Is a state sovereign wealth fund going to share those ideals? Yes and no. So it's going to be very interesting what's going to happen next. In the short term, what impact will the sale of the club have on Eric Ten Hag's ability to strengthen the squad in January? With Cristiano Ronaldo gone, perhaps there is an opening, though you watched them last night again, there's such an array of attacking talent there. Uh, Will this be a case of the Glazers saving as much money as they possibly can until they leave? It's a really good question. I sat opposite Eric Ten Hag a couple of weeks ago. And he was saying, I love this player, I love that player. Yeah, we're looking to strengthen, bring a new forward in in January, but that forward's got to be good enough. And I was nodding along, yeah, he's great, he's great. You know, But where's the shock there? Top manager likes top footballers. Who wouldn't in his position? Who wouldn't want some of the best players in the world? The question is, who's going to pay for them? United overspent last summer bringing in all those players who've done well. And I think Ten Hag's doing well. I think Manchester United, from a, a playing perspective, are in, actually in quite a good place. Players like Casimiro uh, have, have been fantastic. And I walked out of that interview with Ten Hag thinking, this man really knows what he's doing. He's really 
handling himself well. He handled the Cristiano Ronaldo situation well. He's made the big calls. He's got them right. He's dropped key players. And given unlimited funds, or a lot of funds, which Manchester United's manager should expect to have, I think he'd get Manchester United back up there again. But we don't know what them funds are going to be. Because as you said, why would the Glazers um, sanction a signing of a £100 million footballer when the club might be sold? I think a Manchester United are in the Champions League is, is a more attractive uh, buy for anybody. But the big issues are still the stadium uh, redevelopment. And I'm sounding uncertain because I am. Because nobody knows the answer to this. Not even Eric Ten Hag. He's going to need reassurance. But where's that reassurance going to come from? Richard Arnold above him? John Murta? They wouldn't even know if their jobs are going to be safe. Mm. Look what happened at Chelsea. The new owners came in, got rid of almost everybody. As they slowly try and turn Chelsea into Brighton and Nova Albion from last year. And we've seen them tumble down the table. So there could be a really, really bumpy ride ahead if the new owners come in and the new owners are bad. If they're new owners at all, because Avram Glazer said last week, it might just be investment that we're looking for. Of course, if they could keep control, that would be ideal for them. But who's going to put millions or billions in not to have control of Manchester United? That would seem like a bad idea, even to someone who isn't sophisticated in the financial uh, markets. And the new owners may not want Manchester United to become the new Ajax, which could be a problem for Eric Ten Hag. Yeah, he um, he's recruited from Ajax pretty well, actually. I don't think anyone's complaining about Lissandro Martinez. Anthony will find his feet, but he's, he's exciting. Um, he mentioned a couple of Ajax players uh, in that interview. Uh, and former ones, Frankie de Jong um, and Jude Bellingham, who's not not played at Ajax. But yeah, the manager wants wants certainty. And if you're the manager of Manchester United, you would expect to be able to go for top, top players. He's been able to do that. But what if the new owners come in and it's another highly leveraged buyout and they say, actually, you know, the squad doesn't need that much retooling. I always remember speaking to Ed Woodward just after he'd taken control two or three weeks after. And he said, this squad doesn't need much retooling. And David Moyes was saying completely the opposite of that. And Moyes actually, in hindsight, was right because the squad which he inherited was an ageing one, which had, was on the way down. Uh, and United have not won the league since. So if everyone's not pulling in the same direction, uh, there, there could be more trouble ahead. Uh, everyone probably needs a reminder of where Manchester United are right now. So they're fifth in the Premier League table. They're three points behind Spurs in fourth, though they have a game in hand. Uh, they're 11 points behind Arsenal at the top. And it is a favourable Christmas run of fixtures on paper. Nottingham Forest at home next Tuesday, then a trip to Wolves, and then at home against Bournemouth before a couple of tough games against City and Arsenal uh, in the middle of January. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens with the players coming back from the World Cup because so much of the conversation has been about fatigue. But watching the players who were at the World Cup last night, it was actually their sharpness that really stood out. The fact that they've been playing games, they've been in a high-intensity environment in comparison to the players who were, as you say, were at their sort of pre-season warm weather training camp. Like Marcus Rashford looked on a different level to everybody else last night. I think Eric Tenog's getting the best out of a lot of his players. He's making the right calls. Marcus Rashford is a perfect example of that. He was well aware of the issue of the World Cup. Uh, he was talking about this 
uh, as long ago as June, thinking that he's going to have players coming back into training in three states of mind. The ones who've been successful in the World Cup, and that doesn't just mean winning it. You know, Harry Maguire had a good World Cup. The ones who will be disappointed and the ones who haven't featured. And it's not unique to him because other clubs will have that issue. I think Manchester United players fared well in the World Cup finals. And I'm actually enjoying this season. United have uh, got played some really good football, not just had really good results. That game against Tottenham was one of the best I've seen for years. And then United went to Chelsea and attacked Chelsea. This wasn't a counter-attack. This was Manchester United thinking, wait a minute, we've got Rafael Varane, we've got Casemiro, we can do these. And Liverpool have been beaten at Old Trafford. Arsenal have been beaten at Old Trafford. That was a great game. Arsenal were brilliant. Maybe Manchester United didn't deserve to win that, but did. And if I look at the home record now, lots of clean sheets, one eight, drawn one, lost two. And when you think that United lost two of the first four home matches, that's really impressive. As you say, on paper now, you've got teams who are lower down in the league, win them, and then Manchester United can start seriously thinking about solidifying a place in that top four, winning a cup competition. There's been no trophy since 2017. United have done a lot of hard work this year, definitely improving. I think that Ten Hag knows why he lost to Manchester derby. Equally, he knows that Manchester City are still a level above Manchester United. But I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to the season resuming. And I was pleased with the performance and the goals against Burnley. And it is going to be interesting to see how Marcus Rashford kicks on over the next few weeks and months because he still has just the four Premier League goals so far this season. But the expectation coming off the World Cup is, is almost at a level as when he broke through first that he is back and he's back to his very best and you know he he, uh, he certainly helped that last night with the quality of the goal have you got a sense of a change in Rashford this season? Yeah totally I, I, I sense that from the pre-season I spoke to him in, um, in Perth he had a good pre-season his point was this is only the second time in my career I've had a full pre-season United did well pre-season. Other players, including Anthony Martial, did well. I think they respect Eric Ten Hag. They, they they trust him, which is really good. When Manchester United lost that derby game, there was a notable lack of briefs against the manager, and you wouldn't have had that last season. So he's getting the best out of players. He's still got work to do. You know, Jaden Sancho has been been taken out the firing line, if you like, because he's not been playing well, but. He speaks in a very pragmatic and realistic way, Eric Ten Hag. And it's really nice to watch Marcus Rashford smiling, enjoying his football, scoring goals like the one he scored against Burnley. But the other point you mentioned is true. United have scored 20 league goals this season. Manchester City have scored 40. This is a low-scoring team. So there have been clean sheets, which was needed after that horrendous start. But look at the goal difference. It's currently zero. Zero, which is it's bizarre. So look at the next games. Forest, Wolves away. They're having a bad um, season. Bournemouth at Old Trafford. You've got to be winning them games. Mm. Uh, Andy, enjoy the Christmas. Uh, thanks for joining us so often throughout the year. And no doubt we'll talk to you in 2023. Thanks. I've enjoyed it. And I hope the people watching and listening have enjoyed it too. Sure have. Andy Mitten there from United We Stand.
Football on off the ball. With Sky, the Premier League is back. Watch every live game for the rest of the season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. This is News Talk.